we've watched three movies so far. Four if you count the pilot. I feel like the title of this movie would be the worst nickname for a penis. <laughs> so we're guessing the Predator. I think Commando, Predator 2 and Commando Swamp are Thing, much better nicknames for a penis than Swamp and Thing. Rats. Deadly Eyes. Deadly Eyes. I guess the fact that it's plural makes it a little unappealing. Deadly Eyes. <laughs> Deadly Eyes. Producer John from behind the glass is making, <laughs> he's gesturing to us that it could be the balls. Oh my God. Deadly Swamp eyes. Thing Swamp is thing definitely the worst bad, name for a, a penis. Bad it's yeah. going to be funky. It's going to be smelly. It's going to be like just, just, like, just like dirty. This, just you can't like get this it clean. fucking episode. Yeah. Oh, it's going to be oh a messy, messy God. episode. Welcome uh, to Bad Movies and Beer. I'm Cooper. And I'm Nolan. This is a podcast where we watch bad movies and uh, share with you some of our thoughts and feelings while we drink some delicious crap beer. This is going to, we've already been drinking excessively. We're on a road trip right now. We are recording this episode from Montreal, Quebec, Canada, far from our usual stomping grounds. And this is, it's about 4.30 in the a.m. We were at a bar and drinking excessively. And now we are going to record what I am assuming will be just our worst episode in terms of coherence and, uh, you know, uh, start, <laughs> well, please we, start talking now. We, we hope that you uh, stick with us throughout this. We think it still will be a fun time. We had a fun time maybe <laughs> kind of watching Swap Thing and we'll get to that in a second. And we had, we had a fun time last week when we watched Predator 2. Yeah, so if you haven't heard our Predator 2 episode, please feel free to go back and watch. Uh, a lot of episode. positive feedback. I think it was better than our first episode of Commando. I think Predator 2 was not like the movie. The movie was terrible, but I think that compared to the first episode one, it was... It, it, it was a good podcast. Yeah, man. Um, we definitely had some pretty nice, genuine reactions. And uh, you could tell listening to that episode that we were getting increasingly intoxicated as it went on. And that led to some hopefully funny moments for you and for us. For sure. I hope so, too. If you enjoyed it, if you are uh, tuning in for the first time and you enjoy this one, follow us on Twitter yeah, at yeah. the BMB podcast. You know, like, share, subscribe, tell a friend, you know, give us a rating wherever you get your podcast from. And uh, yeah, we're going to talk about Swamp Thing today. 1982, directed by Wes Craven. Yeah, this was surprising. When we started watching this, I was like, whoa, Wes Craven? Nightmare yeah. on Elm Street? I was like, he's famous for having incredibly <laughs> scary and uh, well-known movies. I mean, he is a kind of considered a master of horror. I don't know if you would consider... Is this movie a horror movie? Is Swamp Thing a horror movie? No. Sci-fi? No. What the fuck is it then? bad <laughs> it, it's, it doesn't really fit in a genre it t like it plays like a really it's a sci-fi really movie. bad horror movie i mean like, i feel like it's more it, well i guess he there's a lot of horror sound effects and music okay and hold on in here, you know what maybe well we begin the movie with they give us some some words on the screen a little crawl here not really a crawl but like some words and this actually kind of leans kind of horror i'm going to read this to you now not long ago, in the unexplored reaches of an unmapped swamp, the creative genius of one man collided with another's evil dream, and a monster was born. Too powerful to be destroyed, too intelligent to be captured, this being still pursues its savage dream. The best part about that whole thing is it's pursuing its savage dream, and we never, ever find out what that is. Whatever his dream is, I don't. I don't think it's savage. The swamp thing is very kind and like not at all monsterly. I mean, he looks like a monster, but he looks like a monster, but he's like 
yeah, taking care of nature, saving the people that he loves. It's it's really more of a romance movie. I think we fucked up at the start. We are watching our first romance movie of the podcast. There is, you know, the music in this really does make it sound romantic, and there is maybe a sex scene, but we will get to that before we get into it. We're, we got some beers here. Oh, listen to that beer. Oh, that was good foley work. That's the can, not the beer. You know, that's not the beer that makes that noise, right? Well, the splashing sound was the beer hitting. Tell them what we're drinking, man. (laughs) So we're drinking a beer. It's called Wild Bog. It's a cranberry sour. Uh, A bog is like a swamp. Yeah. So this is every time you listen to our (laughs) podcast, if this is your first time. Producer John's already done with this. There was a very big eye roll there. Producer Um, John's going to go to bed. We try to connect our beer to uh, a theme from the movie. And we we chose Wild Bog as our swamp uh, thing because obviously bogs and swamps. Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. Yeah, the, it's from it's brewed at Whitewater Brewing Company, just outside of the Ottawa area, Ottawa Valley, Ontario. And so we're gonna be talking about it as we go through the story, just letting you know if we enjoy it or not. And uh, I just spilled most of my beer on my lap. We are we are off and rolling. This is gonna be. Once again, we'll we'll edit some. Can we get some napkins, <laughs> John? The movie begins after these words with a helicopter which is uh, transporting from Washington, which Washington is mentioned constantly. These guys are from Washington. It's the government research, something, something, something. Alice Cable, played by the very talented Adrian Barbo. We also see, as she's being transported in, some soldier-type mercenaries dressed in camouflage kind of slinking through the swamp. They are clearly not there to do anything good. She, the helicopter just lands in the swamp, which I guess you can just do. Helicopters, it wasn't like a sea helicopter. It didn't have those pontoon things. It was a regular-ass helicopter. <laughs> I don't think the sea helicopters exist. Um, but yeah, I was a little surprised that uh, the helicopter pilot knew that he could drop it down and not sink the helicopter. It was pretty funny. She immediately encounters some old-school misogyny as she's getting off the helicopter. Someone else is getting on the helicopter, and he is with great, very incredulous... They send a woman down here, just like immediately shits on the notion that she, as a female, can do anything. However, we find out that she is very talented, actually, very soon. There's another scientist, I guess. He has like a name tag, which would indicate that he is in some way associated with the government project. He's also kind of slinking through the swamps with a gun. The mercenary types find him, capture him, and then the lead mercenary guy pulls a snake out of his pants... And goads the snake into biting this scientist, like, in the face. What on earth? It is a legitimate venomous snake, which I have to be honest with you. If I was in charge of transporting a venomous snake to be used as a weapon, I don't think I would put it that close to my dicking balls. (laughs) No, that's fair. Um, The character who holds the snake in his pants, though, we find out later that his name is Ferret, might be the worst acted and crappiest character in this entire movie. I am amazed because we watched Commando two weeks ago and Bennett, we were shitting all over Bennett, how he is like the worst action movie villain. He's not in any way believable fighting Schwarzenegger one-on-one. Ferret might actually be worse, and I didn't think that was possible. It's not might actually be worse. Ferris is like leaps and bounds worse. He His acting is so poor. Whoever this actor is, Maybe this was his first acting role, um, but possibly last. I do not picture him. A lot of times, you picture guys like even even one of the guys we're going to see later. He's been in other stuff. I remember from other stuff. This guy, I have never seen his face before. I don't think or since. And that's with good reason. He he was so bad. Everything was over the top. His facial reactions were inappropriate. I I just I couldn't buy it's bad it acting. even for a second. It's yeah, even for a second, acting. I couldn't buy him at all. 
which is why uh, this qualifies for one of our movies here because several parts of it are quite terrible. Alice Cable gets to the, it's kind of like a cabin where they are doing whatever this project is. She gets off of the boat that's transporting her there. The guy who helps her kind of off onto the dock immediately just fully leers at her. Like I, he lowers the aviator sunglasses. All that was missing was just the whistle, the woo. Like just like he just leers at her full blown. So she's encountering some, uh, some resistance yeah. here from this the is well male before, centric. Well before me too. Clearly inappropriate. Would not fly today. It was really shocking the way that they were treating her. Well, but she quickly establishes her her uh, her credentials here because they point her towards some of the machinery, and the guy begins to tell her, "Well, this is a." And she cuts him off. She knows exactly what the gear is, what the what the science equipment is. She is clearly very qualified. Yes, all the like fake technical gear that they put out there. She was a, an expert in that. We were talking about Bennett earlier. Another Australian guy shows up with his Australian accent. He is kind of running the project, or he's the government liaison. There's a lot of talk again about back in Washington, what's going on. They mention uh, this guy named Arcane who is threatening the project in some way. They're worried he's going to try and attack and steal the stuff. Uh, and how right they are. That is definitely going to happen. Did they mention Arcane? Yeah, or, man. They mentioned him. They mentioned how her replacement like died under mysterious circumstances. There's clearly something going on here. Meanwhile, there's a sensor down in Sector 3. So... <laughs> They suggest that she find someone to take her out there, and her reaction to this is kind of like, me? In the swamp? The whole fucking project is in the swamp. Why is she shocked that she's going to have to enter the swamp? It was funny. She definitely came unprepared for the swamp. She had her high heels on and a short skirt and a blouse. And Yeah, she's not. you got to show up in like waders. She's not wearing swamp she gear. She didn't seem like she was excited to be there, afraid of the mosquitoes and the bugs and other stuff. Yeah. What was pretty hilarious, though, is how quickly, once the movie starts to turn, she becomes a badass who survives in the swamp. No problem. No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to disagree with you, and I think that later on, evidence is going to bear that that is not necessarily the case. Luckily, there is someone who loves the swamp, like really loves it, and the perfect person to take her out there, dreamy scientist Alec Holland. Oh, hold on. Isn't his name Alan Holland? This is another thing that like, it starts as, I, I heard Alec, you heard Alan. There's a big scene later on where she clearly says his name. We actually were to listen to it, and we're now both convinced that she says Alan, but then later on, she clearly says Alec, and in the credits is listed as Alec Holland. So they are all over the place with this. Yeah, so he's clearly Alec Holland. I only bring it up because, yes, in the movie, she actually calls him Alan Holland. It was wonderful. If you can't remember like the name of one of the key characters, you're writing and directing this movie. It, that That's a problem for me. That's a problem <laughs> for me if you are biffing the main character's name like within five minutes of the movie starting. It's fine. She asks him to go. Uh, he's going to take her. She suggests they bring an escort, and he just scoffs at that. Is like, oh, should we ask your mother to come along too? So we know that not only is he a dreamy scientist, he's also a bit of a badass who's like outside the rules. This character was pretty awesome. I wrote him down as the horn dog bad boy genius doctor. He's a bit of a horn dog because once he gets there, he's telling her about the beauty of the swamp, and the quote he says to her is just incredible. Take a look into your own body, one of God's most magnificent creations. And what do you see? You see blood and bone pump and flow and a million messy miracles. I mean, just look at the most creative thing a man and a woman can do together, and you'll see something growing, unpredictable, magical, hot, 
I'm pretty sure that hot bod comment is just one of the best things that we've ever heard in our podcast so he far. Calls, he calls her body one of God's most magnificent creations. That guy's driving hard to the hoop right there. <laughs> it's hard to debate him at that time. But yeah, it's, it's pretty ridiculous. So they, they find the sensor, though, in the midst of all this flirting. The sensor has clearly been tampered with. And they uh, take it back to the lab or whatever, where she immediately gets reamed out. How dare she take him out there? They're trying to protect the scientist. He needs to be guarded at all times. The work he's doing is so important. They call her a broad. They, which call, is, they call her a stupid broad. And the guy comments that a woman has no place around a guy like Dr. Alec Allen Holland. All of a sudden, while they're reaming her out for taking this you know, delicate flower of a scientist out into the swamp, when it was his idea, he's all gung-ho. We hear an explosion, and I'm like, oh, the fucking mercenaries, shit's popping off. No, no, no. Alec Holland's sister, Linda Holland, also a scientist, has discovered something incredible about the formula that he has been working on, the top secret formula. It basically, it creates an explosion if it you know, hits the ground or if it whatever. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how to. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of funny. Uh, it was hard to explain. There was this very bright neon green glowing glue. G- goo goo that alec had created or dr Holland had created and his sister was playing with and threw on the ground and it was making sort of explosions in tnt and they'd be like you found tnt it was it was kind of really strange as we went on one thing that didn't really sink well with me was that she just kept putting her hand in this strange stuff that was exploding and nothing was happening to her yeah considering that we just heard an explosion loud enough outside she's kind of handling it in a very cavalier way she doesn't seem too worried about it blowing her up No, which is weird as we see what happens when it gets poured on other people very shortly, and we'll get to that. Yeah, before that happens, we get to see some world-class science gear, just some fantastic set design here. And he's explained to her that what he's trying to do is engineer a plant with an animal's instinct for survival. So he's, he's got as far as a plant cell with an animal nucleus. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. He says, in the year 2001, there's going to be 6.5 billion people on Earth, and we need to feed those people somehow. Early advocate of veganism? I, I don't know. Like, yeah. It's definitely got some environmental messages early. Alec Holland is super into this. He's getting a scientist boner talking about all the good stuff that's going to happen with this plant thing. It's, it's not just a scientist boner. <laughs> it's, it's an actual one because yeah. she's there. Oh, yeah. She kind of taunts him a little bit about, you know, this is ex- about as exciting as watching paint dry. Then he's all grumpy, grouchy. He's all moody. Yeah, Cable gets uh, Cable uh, sort of bugs him and then Holland definitely gets moody. He stomps off a little teenager tantrum but we find out from his sisters that he's like his like his, his temper, like his father, the Nobel Prize winning scientist. Yes. You got a lot to live up to there. But then immediately after this sort of like grumpy or in the middle of the grumpiness, what does he discover about the goo that's been thrown down onto the wood of the ground? Not only did it create a loud explosion, now plants are growing from the wooden boards where the stuff landed. It's unbelievable. This formula is causing rapid growth. He gets so excited, like more excited than I've ever seen a human before. The look on his face, he is just overflowing with excitement and he yells at his sister. Linda! What? Get in here quick! As he is having his very first O-face of his life, <laughs> uh, he, he yells this out, calls for his sister. Oh, but first he plants one on Alice Cable. Yeah. During his like first orgasm as a grown man, he decides to Linda, kiss. Linda, get in here and bring me some pants. <laughs> 
<laughs> my underwear. My pants uh, are full of stuff. Oh no. <laughs> he kisses Linda Cable. And this comes twice. He goes back for seconds. Well, it comes out of nowhere. He plants a very large kiss on her, and then she reciprocates in the second kiss. And you're like She's known this guy for five minutes. Yeah. Like you took me on one tour of a fucking dirty swamp, and now we're making out hard in front but of he, your, but your on, new wood. But on that tour. You he, just created new wood and now on, we're <laughs> goddamn kissing. Definitely did. But on that tour of the swamp, he convinced her of the beauty of the swamp that her body is one of god's most magnificent creations i mean he's a smooth talker and like you know super into what he's doing i think that's very appealing i guess he's pretty handsome too for the time i don't know uh so like all of those things must come together to lead to their mutual kissing yeah um so they're about to tell everybody this plays a pretty big role though later like this is the blossoming of the love affair between the two of them how fast they fall in love they've been in love for yeah they've known each other for five minutes and now they are madly in love while so they try to summon everyone else to tell them about this incredible discovery and meanwhile the mercenaries just attack they're there and they immediately try to grab alice and she just out of nowhere beats the shit out of two of them picks up a gun from one of them, shoots a third one. Like, she's just mowing these guys down, and all of a sudden, they kind of overwhelm her. She hold is- on, hold on. Okay. You're right. This is all happening. She is out of nowhere, super skilled at, like, martial fighting and shooting guns. But what takes her down? Oh, yeah, that, well, that's... So she, she tries to warn Alec that they're coming, tells him to watch out, and then, like, a single karate chop, just, she crumples. It is terrible. This so, karate chop is terrible. <laughs> the worst villain in the movies we've seen thus far the ferret the leader of the goons throws down one of the most unconvincing karate chops i've seen in my entire life and it immediately knocks her oh my god drops her like a stone yeah they force their way into the lab they find dr alec holland they tell him that they work for a company that would pay an arm and a leg for his formula his arm and his leg (laughs) that's their that's their threat yeah and then Ritter, the Australian supervisor, we met earlier, he shows up. Turns out he's in on it. Not only that, he's not Ritter. He peels his fucking face off. Yeah, this was ridiculous. I was like, is this the first time in a movie like this where someone peels off their face and becomes? I was like, this reminds me so much. He does of the he does the Tom Cruise Mission Impossible. Is that what you're gonna say? Yeah, exactly. It just feels like Mission Impossible. It feels like fucking face off the movie itself. I was like, whoa. And when he reveals his face, he's a goddamn Bond wait, no, villain. No, no, wait a second. Wait a second. Face off, they were not wearing masks. Face off, they had surgery to surgically swap okay. their faces. That's fair. Which, footnote, at some point, we were definitely going to watch Face Off because that movie is fucking ridiculous. But for now, we're dealing with this, though. When he rips the face off, Ar- it's Arcane. Arcane, the Bond villain. That Arcane guy they were talking about. Who, yes, he is a Bond villain. I forget which movie, though. He's a Bond villain in one of the movies. He tries to like grab Alec Holland. He wants him to give him the formula. Alec Holland resists. So Arcane and his goons kill Alec's sister. Linda bites the dust. Alec flips out, tries to run away with the formula. One of the goons knocks him down. Of course, the formula, highly explosive. It explodes. And then all of a sudden, all I could think of was NBA Jam. <laughs> you know, you know, yeah. After he's hitting on fire. a couple three points, he's he on uh, fire. lights up and he can't miss a shot. He's on fire. He's fully on fire. He runs for about like what three miles. He's just running on fire for the longest time. The run is insane because it happens so long, but clearly they did a good job putting a fire suit on some stunt person and lighting them up and having like fireworks and explosions pop off them. I, I was actually oh, he kind of his into paycheck. this moment. That stunt man earned his paycheck. He dives into the swamp, which is smart if you're on fire. And then, I should probably mention, at various points through the movie, we have been getting the Star Wars wipe treatment 
So about five minutes into the movie, there was a just a clear, not even five minutes. Oh my god! In between the the, the words at the beginning, yeah, it's right there's there. a very noticeable like wipe, like horizontal wipe. The wipes just keep on coming in this movie. And right now, as he falls into the swamp, we get what you described as a swamp wipe. Yeah, it's perfect. It's like, sort of like the goop running down the screen as it wipes into the next just one. Just wipe after wipe in this movie. And I had never seen, I've seen a lot of, I'd never seen this one before. It was crazy. The swamp wipe comes down. We cut ahead in time to when those mercenaries are going to clean up the, the burned down lab area. It burned down, obviously, because of the explosion. And they're looking for evidence, looking for the his formula, notebooks, whatever. And... They are supposed to kill everyone, still alive, Alice Cable. She somehow hides and escapes from them during all of those explosions and things that happened to Swamp Thing. But they catch her again, which they catch her about 76 fucking times in this movie. So many parts of the movie are just her escaping and being caught again. They catch her. They put her in a boat. They're paddling the boat. She kind of tries to jump out of the boat. She's in the water. The head bad guy, Ferret, decides just to drown her, even though, you know, she was involved in the project, probably has some important information. No, he's going to fucking drown her. While he's drowning her, he thinks he finished her off. And then, from the water, the green, rubbery, clearly glove-wearing hand (laughs) of Swamp Thing. Yeah, this is hilarious. Ferret, before, like, Swamp Thing pops out, Throws out the line, Say hello to your boyfriend, baby. Oh, yeah. With all the terrible acting and, like, just glee of, you know, an 80s fucking movie villain and also an actor who has never gotten work suddenly getting work, being like, this is my moment. And never getting work again. I'm going to put the button on this scene. But, yeah, so Swamp Thing appears. Flips um, the boat by himself. Yeah. Out of nowhere. Oh, very quickly. Clearly Swamp Thing uh, or... Alec Holland, as we can assume. Well, I guess. Oh, spoilers! I don't think that's a spoiler. Well, we don't. I guess we don't. We, we can suspect. We don't find out for sure until later exactly right. what the swamp thing is. But he grabs Alex Cable. He carries her off very, very slowly, and they are shooting at him with their like assault rifles, and just they're just not hitting him. And he's oh. moving not fast at all and they just can't hit him good god it's so bad it is like watching really grainy bigfoot video footage like walking away in the woods very slowly as he carries off alex cable and saves her and they must have shot off like several cartridges of rounds and not even, of not even close, close. not yeah, even close it's so he, bad he gets her to a safe area he lays her down gently as he does this you can literally see the rubber suit this guy is wearing like folding and bending and separating from his skin oh it's so bad <laughs> the good, seams man. on the suit are horrific you can see his actual face through the makeup they've tried to apply to connect to his face i don't know about you i used to watch this show called face off have you ever seen face off we talking about the fucking movie Face Off again? No, no, this is different. This is a television that show. That movie where they wear those masks? No, this is a show where they go into competitions about movie makeup and prosthetics. I've so, never seen this. Oh, it's it's pretty awesome. It's where they have lots of people who've gone to school for this, and they go into a competition to see who's the best at it. The judges on that show would be horrified by this. I think the worst contestant ever on that show could have done a better job than the prosthetics that were on the Oh, my thing. gosh. Their rating scale is from Swamp Thing to 10. I'm pretty sure it is. I think Swamp Thing is basically a fail in that show. Uh, if you do oh, a Swamp man. Thing, you're eliminated immediately from the face-off television. So he, he's now got her safe. He starts walking through these mercenaries, kind of like uh, taking, taking them out one by one. But he doesn't really take any of them out. He just kind of like he just throws them. He just picks these guys up and throws them. The head guy, Ferret, and the dumb guy, whose name is Bruno, 
he's established very early as just a complete fucking dummy. They bail out. We end up in Arcane's lair where he is very impressed by the formula. Alec Holland had talent, but then he says, talent only does what it can. Genius does what it must, which I think I got in a fortune cookie one time. <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> that sounds right. Um, he was an interesting, weird, like, villain. He seemed to be of a, like, Eastern European or European background for sure. He yeah. had some kind of accent we didn't understand. He had this huge house in the swamp. It's I, in the swamp. I don't know his why. House, his house is literally in the swamp. I don't know I had it. He had really... The, but this is the first but not last instance of a building appearing in the swamp out of nowhere. He had, like, a house full of very attractive younger women who were serving him just amazed by his genius and like, well, he keeps saying how that he's a genius although i feel like a true genius would have realized that he did not grab all of the notebooks because he's reading through the notebooks for this guy's formula and when he gets to the sixth one he realizes oh this isn't finished there's one more so how much of a genius is he really he didn't collect the notebooks to be fair like it was all of his henchmen and so he still might like, have assumed based on that he figured it out pretty quickly that well, his he henchmen are dummies and i feel like a genius would also be able to tell that the henchmen are dummies he yeah i guess he probably knew that i don't know i think that's kind of a, a minor point he's there uh he, and then he gets word yeah. about the swamp thing oh how does that happen they just get just a phone call that you'll never believe what happened that we've got a situation down here come down here and see meanwhile uh alice cable has woken up she is looking for help she finds a phone booth in the middle of the swamp out of nowhere because naturally there'd be a, sw- a phone booth in the fucking middle of a swamp but the phone isn't working. Luckily, just about 20 feet past the phone booth, which she didn't notice for some reason, is a full gas station and garage. Just sitting there, middle of the swamp. And this is where we meet Jude. <laughs> yeah, this was really, really strange. So she comes across this garage, and the only person at the garage is probably like a 10-year-old boy. Unsupervised, completely unsupervised. He he's sitting there alone and he kind of has some strange like foreshadowing slash humor. Like his role seems to be bringing... He's just he's comic relief, which is a very strange change of pace from the rest of the movie, which up, to, up until now has been like sci-fi horror, uh, romantic elements, but all treated very seriously. And all of a sudden here's a kid just firing off one liners, cracking jokes. It comes out of nowhere. It is very odd. Yeah, it's weird. They go inside of his thing, and then they have a really big Coke ad. Like, clearly Coca-Cola paid oh, them yeah. a lot of money. Oh, yeah, product placement, which I didn't even know was a thing in the 80s. It's just all over it. Yeah, it happened. It was really, really strange. But from the, like, so they're inside of this garage. She's got she's got a phone. She's she calls phone for call. help. She calls Washington. And they, they, they put her through to Ritter. But unfortunately, Ritter is arcane. She tells him that she's got the last notebook, which is a huge mistake. And he immediately directs all his henchmen to come grab the notebook and her. She tries to shoot them with an old-timey gun that Jude had <laughs> in the gas station. Yes. The gun immediately explodes. It just completely backfires. They make a point of telling us, ha, the gun exploded. Oh, this might be my least favorite part about this entire movie is repeatedly over and over again while things are happening, the characters are describing what are happening. Yeah, I hate when they do that. This is this is the part where they show up, she realizes, the gun backfires, she runs, and once again we are back to them chasing her. This may be the worst chase scene I have seen ever in my entire life. She runs away from that garage and a truck full of the mercenaries, including Ferret, is chasing her. Can't catch her? She's running through fields and the truck can't catch up to her. 
She runs into a place where there's trees and the truck crashes into those trees. And then the next scene is immediately her running again and the truck is free and fine. And then she runs into the swamp and is safe away from the truck. But she won't go in the actual swamp. Not the water. I guess so. And then it cuts back and she falls down in the middle of the road and the truck is about to run her over. It is insanely baffling to like sort of understand the decisions made to make this. Whoever choreographed this chase. Luckily, the chase ends because the swamp thing shows up and he's ready to save her. They decide to run the swamp thing over. He just stops the Jeep with his bare hands by like kind of like grabbing the sides of it. Then he... He's like, God damn it. <laughs> this he, is horrible. He, what does he, he do to rips, the Jeep? He rips the roof off the Jeep, and then the roof just like it just ascends, it just levitates. It is clear that oh they have God. they've attached a rope to the top of the roof of this and just rip it really hard and it follows in the straight line of the it's rope. It's supposed to be him throwing it, but there's no arc. It just literally ascends up in like a straight line. It is by far the worst effect in this movie. I maybe shouldn't say that. It's not the worst effect. There's a lot of really bad effects. And th- then, you know, he ends up just throwing them again. He just grabs the guys and throws them, which never actually stops or kills them. It just buys them some time. Then he turns to make sure she's okay. She's in the swamp, which if she had just run into the swamp in the first place, they never could have caught her, but she avoided the swamp. Now she's just fucking in it. He tries to, you know, he's staring at her like longingly and she's just sees this monster. She shoes him away. Meanwhile, this part, hold on. This part's important. He's coming to her. He's saved her. He's fought off all of the other guys. And then he goes to like communicate with her and she shoes him away like a dog. She seriously says, shoo. That's true. Shoo, yeah. When shoo. I when I said she shoes him away, I was not using that as as an expression. She literally shoes him away as you would a dog. And he looks sad and he sort of starts moping away. Very slowly. We get the Bigfoot shot again of him like lumbering through the woods. And then Jude shows up. Fires off a couple of classic Jude zingers and uh, suggests they go find her some clean clothes because she's been in the swamp. It's really weird. Why is this small child alone at a gas station, alone in a swamp, and taking an adult woman to go put some clean clothes on? Which, as you will see, he just has women's clothes in her exact size in his weird swamp gas station convenience store where they have everything. He actually says that he's going to take her to like a hut. Like a different place, and then they have those things for her, and I, I, it's, it's baffling. We cut, we cut back to Arcane in his in his swamp mansion. He, I love when movies do this. They work the title in, and this feels a little bit forced, but he's, you know, we, we must have, we must find this swamp thing. His theory is, if you find the girl, they will find the beast. Yeah, that becomes their plan, right? If we can get cable we know that we're gonna find this swamp thing you know where the you know where the you know where cable is we find her right away she's on a lovely gondola ride with jude she's sitting on a fucking one of those boats and he's just like gently paddling her there's flowers on the boat it's literally set up like a romantic ride through like fucking venice italy it's just in the middle of the swamp it's so creepy again where are this child's parents why is he boating around this weird older woman why are they still in the swamp and not going to get the government's help with this entire situation? And this is where we learn because he says to her, he's like, don't you have someone to call? And this is where we learn that she has no one to call because, you know, she's lonely. That's what we find out from this scene. That's the whole point of the scene is letting us know she's lonely. Now, is she lonely enough to fuck the swamp thing? <laughs> what are maybe, you talking about? Maybe she is. We're going to find out in a couple of minutes. Oh, my God. She has no one to call. 
There's no way that she has sex with a swamp thing. We're going to debate this. It might happen. We get some nice long shot again, the Bigfoot style long shot of the swamp suit or the swamp. Do you remember why you said they had so many long shots? Because the uh, fucking suit was so horrible. They <laughs> yeah, had to keep wrote, going I, to the goddamn. Uh, I wrote down yeah. one of your quotes instead of yeah. one of the other quotes. It says, because if they had close ups, it would show that garbage suit. <laughs> <laughs> it does look like they have put on garbage bags on the actor, wet them down, and thrown on just a small amount of paper mache. It kind of looks like what the swamp band suit It's looks really like. bad. He he goes back to the lab, the burned out lab remains. So does Alice, because she needs to find that last notebook. The swamp thing is looking around the ruins of his lab. He finds a locket that has a picture of him and his sister in it. The whole thing makes him very emotional. So uh, naturally, he this is the perfect time to try to do some experimentation. He starts picking up like test tubes and stuff and trying to go back to his old life as a scientist. But there's a small problem, which is that he, now he's a monster. So everything he touched just breaks. He throws another tantrum. He screams in anguish. He's a tortured, tortured beast. Meanwhile, uh, Alice Cable gets there, gets the notebook, runs. Swamp Thing just stares longingly at a plant. It was like, I don't know, it was a really like, it's supposed to be a meaningful shot of him just like touching some flowers. I don't know what the fuck trying to communicate here at all. After he smashed his. Like, yeah, five seconds ago, he's furious. The nature yeah. is calming him down. Maybe. Yeah. Is that I mean, is that what it is? He's, found, I don't his, know, he's found his purpose. The mercenaries show up right away again in a gunboat. They're chasing the swamp thing. They've got him cornered. Then all of a sudden, they can't see him for some reason, even though he's literally right beside them. We see him like move swamp reeds out of the way and the dude's legs are right there but they just can't they can't fucking find him they have no idea where he is then you know he just he he attacks so this part of throw some movie, guys he throws some guys again he just grabs him yeah, and throws them them. this part of the movie was so good in how bad it was like i might have enjoyed this part of the movie the most out of any part this sort of weird chase scene where the swamp thing is protecting cable Yep, by fighting off all these mercenaries. And the mercenaries are sending several uh, sort of airboats or swamp boats at him. But all of these mercenaries are coming after Swamp Thing, and it's insane, this series of events that take place. Yes, okay, so let's break this down one by one. First, he throws those dudes, which he's already tried and does not stop anybody. They all then get back in the boat. They, they do. survive the throws. A different boat tries to run him over. He flips it. As he flips it, Two guys get launched out of the boat and they are doing like a perfect stuntman like flip out of the boat. As they are doing this, they are yelling, shit. <laughs> As they are yelling, shit. You can hear, it's you can so good. clearly hear yes. two voices. Yeah. One of the guys is already underwater. Yes, they clearly put There's the two shit guys. afterwards. One's so underwater. Good. You still hear two voices. Horrible editing. There's other guys circling him. They are throwing grenades from moving boats with a shocking level of accuracy. Normally, these guys can't hit you. They couldn't shoot him with bullets when he was fucking walking at like one mile an hour. Now they're throwing grenades and they're like right beside him. I was laughing maniacally at this because the one shot kept going back to a guy throwing a grenade. He didn't use anybody. It was all just arm, like and shoulder, not moving. Chucks it, getting and it like, within three feet of yeah, every time. And like every clock. time it'd be an explosion that throws the swamp man like ten feet in front of him. Exact same shot, like over and yep. over and over. And they've again. got him. They have got him dead to rights. But then all of a sudden he's missing again. They can't find him anymore. And then he's right on top of them. You you can't find him, so you assume he must be underwater. He like comes from above and lands in one of the boats. Of course, throws some guys off again. Then he's driving the boat at the grenade guy who all of a sudden inexplicably loses all his accuracy, can't hit him with a grenade. 
Sw- they jump out of their boat. Swamp Thing jumps out of his boat. The boat is traveling at about like 10 miles an hour. It hits the other boat. And like as this is happening, this took so long that as it's happening, you're like, I hope this explodes. And I was like, that would be amazing. Never thinking it's possible. Like as soon as the boats touch, giant explosion. This is one of the most sort of enjoyable and absurd things about movie making. When for like absolutely no reason they decide to create an explosion from some kind of impact or thing. Well, but then not only have the explosion, what happens right after that? An explosion wipe. They wipe to the next scene with like an explosion bubble. Fucking, we're we're so deep in the wipe bench at this point. Now we see nine different kinds of wipes in this fucking movie. It's unbelievable. We wipe back to Arcane at his swamp mansion where he just starts verbally in the swamp thing. Uh, he's like a brilliant chess player. He anticipates every move. I feel like that might be a bit of an overstatement considering that all the Swamp Thing does is lumber around and throw guys. He also refers to him as like a beautiful woman and says he can't resist him. What the fuck is this guy talking about? Just so, so nonsensical. His like horniness for the he's Swamp so, Thing. He's so horny for the Swamp Thing. And then the fact that he keeps calling himself a genius and believing he's going to outsmart him and then become the ultimate That is true. Race. The only thing he believes more than the Swamp Thing is himself. It, he, he was just so one-dimensional that it was it was challenging to understand or like or even find any empathy for that guy. For sure. I would agree with that. Meanwhile, uh, Cable's got the notebook. She tries to send Jude off with it, but for some reason he doesn't leave. And then the mercenaries show up and kill him, kind of, and take it. They capture her again for the fucking 78th time in this movie. But then the Swamp Thing, Swamp Thing shows up. He finds Jude and heals him with his, like, plant powers. Turns out they didn't take the notebook because Jude still has it. So I guess they just murdered a child for no reason. Did they even see him with her? No, I don't think so. This part was like really graphic where you come back and you see a boy floating dead and you're just like, why? Why have we killed our comic relief? Why is this boy like sacrificing his life for? This we, we thought it was for the notebook. We thought he knew he had the notebook, the notebook but then five seconds later, the, the mercenary asks Alice Cable where the notebook is. You just killed the guy who had the notebook. You didn't even check to see if he had a notebook. Ferret doesn't care. That God guy damn. is just ruthless, right? Is that what we learned? He does well, but well, he's not uh, too ruthless to kiss Alice Cable, which fucking like everyone else does, so why wouldn't he? But unlike with Dreamy Scientist, she uh, resists, knees him in the balls, and runs. So once again, they are chasing her. Once again, they catch her, but then the Swamp Thing catches him. He tries to fight the Swamp Thing, chops his arm off with the machete, but the Swamp Thing crushes his head. (laughs) This is gruesome blood everywhere like game of thrones he crushes his head the dude's dead alice cable faints and when she wakes up she is literally just lying on the swamp thing this is the most artsy scene in the entire movie the romance is thick oh it's so good the thick have the oh easy easy there yeah you, right? you've got the smoke rolling in it's and, true and she wakes up just like looks up and smiles and there's a flower and she's laying on the swamp things Jess. and then he tells her how much beauty there is in the swamp and that's when she realizes oh sorry while he's telling her that his lips are moving completely independently of the rubber mask like there's you're just there's no realism here at all and then well she says to him we think she realized but then she says alan yeah this is where she says alan and we're like his name is Alec. What are you doing? We rewinded and listened to this twice, and we swear that she says Alan. Alan? 
which I, you had been saying that his name was Alan. I thought it was Alec. And this is the point where I was like, all right, you were right. His name's Alan. My bad. No, his name's actually Alec. She just goofs the line in like a close-up shot. The the clearest anyone said his name in this whole movie. I don't know what's happening. She realizes it's him. She asks him if it hurts. He says, only if I laugh. <laughs> and then he laughs. So and laughing. then yeah, has they're that both laughing. And it's a nice tender moment. It, yeah. And then we cut to her naked cleaning herself in the swamp. And so was there a sex scene? Did she f- the swamp thing? Is this a post-sex scene? Like they just had sex and now she's she's kind of washing up. He's essentially just there leering at her while she like not showers, but like bathes in the swamp. Now she's fully committed to the swamp. 50 minutes ago, she wouldn't run into it when her life was threatened. Now she's just fucking naked in the swamp. I mean, I guess after you fuck a swamp thing, you're just going to go all in, right? Is that what's happening? It was once once the swamp has been inside you. Why not be inside the swamp? <laughs> yeah, I think that's sort of the that's the second tagline for this movie, right? Isn't that the alternative? What we see yeah. on the back? It's kind of implied that they do have sex, and it's really really weird. I I still don't think that that's the case. Uh, I think that she. Why is she naked? She just got fresh clothes from Jude. But she'd also gotten grabbed by Ferret and swam through the swamp, and there were other Oh, she felt dirty because yeah, Ferret yeah. forced himself on her. This yeah, is a metaphorical bathing. Could have been, yeah, uh, maybe could happen too. But either way, know, Swamp Thing's watching. He's he's enjoying the show, and then he throws away the notebook, just throws it into the woods, which seems counterproductive since you know there's a team of evil people trying to get the notebook. Why would you just throw it away where anyone can find it? And guess what? They find the notebook. They also find her again, Alice Cable. They chase her again. They capture her again for now. It's goddamn 83 fucking times in this movie. Swamp Thing, of course, to the rescue again, but he is taken down by a, a net. cheap ass net. I mean, they, they've just got him and then they've got the notebook and then we once again get the swamp wipe. We swamp wipe to a victory party at Arcane's mansion. It's a black tie affair. Alice Cable is there, tied to a chair, but she's in a very nice, elegant dress, so that's something. Elegant? It's like as as can be. It is negligee. She's not actually wearing a nice dress. Well, I mean, at least she's wearing a dress. They didn't just tie her there in her fucking swamp clothes. I mean, she's not naked, but she's as close as she can be. It's actually the dress that she wears in the cover of the movie. It is, yeah, that's true. Which is uh, is pretty good, and I... Like, while we're we're thinking about this, I, I think the cover is the best thing about this entire movie. It is. It's actually a really nice. And this is the movie poster. The poster, the cover for the Blu-ray DVD combo pack is the same as movie poster. It was done in the kind of like traditional style of the like 1950s, 1960s, like horror, like sci-fi alien invasion movies. It's a it is actually a really nice poster. Yeah, I agree. I was excited when I saw it. I'm like, this is going to be great. It's going to be a wonderful movie. It, yeah. And I mean, actually, so up until this point, this movie is bad, but. Like, kind oh. of entertaining at yeah. points. Like, it grips you in a little bit. You're, like, curious about There's intrigue, relationship. what's going on. You have some questions. There's some interesting action parts. There's horrible acting and effects. But otherwise, you're sort of still going with it and being like, okay, we got something here. Yes, but this is where it goes off the rails completely. They're having this victory party. They uh, they do a little toast to Bruno, the dumb mercenary from earlier, because he's the one who found the notebook. He's having his moment, though. They are celebrating him. All the people there are like very happy. Also, who are these fucking people? 
who are these like high society people that Arcane is like, uh, I murdered this guy and I stole his notebooks. These are my mercenaries. And here are you having dinner at my fucking so, swamp mansion. It's so fucking weird. The way I interpreted it was it was the mercenaries, like all of his people. No, man, there's like random like, like women there, like high no, no, class no, people. But those women are the partners of the mercenaries. Like mercenaries need people too, like need partners too. I don't know, man. They don't explain it. There's no fucking explanation. They do the toast. He drinks the stuff. Turns out that it is not just like wine or champagne. It is the formula because they want to test it on a human. Bruno takes the formula. He transforms. And as he's transforming, this is actually some of the really good effects in the movie. There's good effects, good acting by him. But he transforms into like a fucking troll. And these are some of the worst effects and worst acting in the movie. God damn it. He's just like a fucking he's 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 a dwarf troll now. It reminded me of a, of one of the flying monkeys from uh, Wizard of Oz. Clearly, the big fat like stupid mercenary guy has turned into a small monkey child. Yeah, well, as it turns out, they have Swamp Thing trapped in like a Arcane has a fucking dungeon in his basement. Swamp Thing's trapped there. They want answers. It turns out that the formula it enhances and amplifies your essence. So since Bruno was a small stupid man, he becomes like small and stupid. But Arcane now is intrigued because what if you're a genius? Then if you take it, it would amplify your genius. You'd be even more of a genius. So he takes the fucking formula. And he's taking the formula and immediately begins transforming into some kind of beast, wolfman, demon. It's hard to tell. He kind of looks like he's growing like rocks all over his body. And there's weird blood pussing from him. This transition. Yeah, he's like a cocoon. And then he comes yeah. out of the cocoon. He's like a weird wolf demon thing. Which, by the way, the costume is fucking awful. It's like they wanted to make the Swamp Thing costume look better by comparison. So, like, let's put a shittier costume in so everyone will be like, oh, Swamp Thing actually wasn't that bad in terms of the effects. Yeah, Swamp Thing looks amazing compared to this weird fucking wolf, pig, whatever it's, costume I don't even it know is. how to describe yeah, it. Yeah. Uh, well, how does it represent the essence of a genius? Like, I did not no, get it at he's, all. Because he's, I, that's why I'm like, it's a demon because he's a demon or in it's a end, beast he's because a wolf, he's a, he's a like brute he's, because he's, he's a, a brute. I don't fucking know. It's just, it's, he transforms into a monster. While this is happening, Swamp Thing's trapped in the dungeon. Alice is trapped in the dungeon. There's a little bit of light coming through. She encourages him to reach for it. And so he, he does, he basically grows a baby arm, which is also a terrible fucking effect. Then his arm transforms to a regular arm from the sunlight. Photosynthesis is powerful. Oh, yeah, man. And yeah. then now that he has the power of two arms, he escapes the shackles of the dungeon. He couldn't do it with one arm, even though he stopped a fucking Jeep. Now he escapes with two arms uh, and with a little assist from Bruno, who kind of points them towards the exit. Like baby monkey man. Yep. They swim through a well that leads to like a sewer outlet or inlet i don't fucking know they they, they get they out escape. to the swamps they get, they get out to the swamps yeah. but the the arcane beast monkey fucking werewolf man follows them he's hold got on a, he's got a broadsword yeah, this is the part that's ridiculous he grab well the whole thing is ridiculous but he grabs a like two-handed claymore or broadsword off of his wall and drags it on this chase and he swims with it through a fucking underground well uh, this is the point. I, in my notes, it literally says, this movie has gone off the fucking rails. I don't know what's happening. We've got a monster fight. The the beast thing, Arcane, is fighting Swamp Thing. While this is happening, he takes his broadsword. He cuts Alice Cable in the heart. Swamp Thing goes berserk. Like, ugh. So they're fighting. Uh, they're in this swamp, and they are, like, punching and knocking each other down. Because of these, like, horrendous cosmetics that they're wearing the fight is so unrealistic and so clunky in the end the swamp thing 
beats him using like a broken down piece of tree. Yeah, he, and you know what he does? He does for a change. Instead of just picking up and fucking throwing him, he actually like hits him with something, and this is how he's able to finally win a fucking fight. Well, and he finishes him with his own claymore, and then you see sort of like root beer fizz. No, that's not yet, though. No, that's not yet. First, he just knocks him out with a branch, and you think it's over. Uh. Then, which, God, I wish it had been over there. He goes, he heals Alice Cable with his magic plant powers. Hold on, hold on. the beast is back. So I wrote this down because, like, this is the second time he's healed someone. Earlier in the story, we did see him heal um, our comic relief. Yeah, he heals Jude. He heals Jude, and then he comes back, and he starts healing Cable, but uh, he pulls some moss off of his own body or his breasts and he puts it on her breast. And so I, I'm calling this moss and magic. I think this is what the Swamp Thing's major thing is. It's moss and magic. That's how he heals and uh, makes people better. I guess he heals her. The demon's back. We've got round two of the demon fight. This time he does, he kills him, like you said, with the sword and the dude bleeds you said it was like root beer i thought it looked like gravy to me yeah or like pudding you described it as like chocolate pudding all of like the really runny chocolate pudding yeah it was like really really bad fox sakes it's anyway the point is it's finally over after a completely ridiculous stretch of but movie the evil genius who decided to turn like drink the potion and turn into a wolfman monster creature thing is finally gone yeah and swamp thing literally says it's over which thank god he has to go. He goes to leave. She, of course, wants to have him not leave. She offers to come with him. But he tells her, no, you you have to heal. You have to tell our story, which based on the last 15 minutes, I'm not sure is true. I don't know if this story needs to be told. That last 15 minutes is fucking rough. All of a sudden, Jude shows up. He's there to get cable. Swamp thing kind of lumbers off into the swamp. And unfo- I was really hoping we'd get one more wipe for the end credits. We don't. The credits just start rolling. Oh. This thing's over. I don't know how we got to where we are based on where we started. I don't know how Wes Craven was ever allowed to direct another movie after this. Holy God. I don't even know. Let's fucking rate this. God damn. So uh, if you are unfamiliar, the way we do this, we rate the movie on a scale of one to 10. We do it two times. The first time we rate it is for one to 10 for how bad it is. Second time out of one to 10 for how enjoyable it is to watch. The ultimate goal, the hope, the dream is to find a movie that is a 10 out of 10 on both scales, and what do we call that? The Crit 20. Yeah. Shout out to our D&D friends. So, very quickly, I will give this for how bad this movie is. I can't quite give it a 10 because, again, for parts it was intriguing. There are a couple of acting performances that are okay, but I'm giving this a 9. This movie is fucking bad. It is 9 or 10 bad. That's my rating. What is yours? Okay, so this is the uh, third or fourth movie we watched, uh, including the pilot. And uh, this is the worst out of the bunch, uh, for sure. The acting is horrible. The costuming is horrible. The music is horrible. A lot of the decisions don't make any sense. (laughs) Even a little bit. It's it's so bad. Um, But I still think that there's going to be worse movies that we see uh, coming up pretty shortly. So I'm going to throw out the same number. I think it's a nine. All right. How how enjoyable on a scale of one to ten? This one is really tricky. I I did find that there were some moments that made me laugh. Uh, There were a couple of cool effects. Um, But... I would never want to see this again. Oh, oh no, it's like, done. Like I, Retire the Blu-ray. Yeah, no, like, I'm glad you own it, and I don't. <laughs> I don't want to see this. That's the way this um, always goes. Uh, yeah, that's the way it's going to be every episode, which is great. Um, but I'm going to say that for enjoyability, 
It's a five. I'm gonna go a little bit higher, but just a little. I'm gonna say six. It, okay. There was there were some funny parts. There were some parts, and even you know what? Uh, just seeing a movie where I'm like, "What the fuck is going on?" Like that 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 brings some value to it for me. I'm like, "This is at least at least they're fucking trying shit." It may not make sense, but at least they're out there doing stuff. And I might be like, "How?" Like I said, "How do we get to here from there?" That 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 journey, that voyage is you know something it, for me. It so I'll, give it, a, I'll give it a six. Okay, so we had that. So then my end score uh, was a fourteen. Yours was a fifteen. Yeah, this is not this is not going to the Hall of Fame for sure. No, either way, it was a, an enjoyable ride, or at least it was a fucking ride. I don't know. Man. It's been a ride. Uh, I don't regret watching it, and uh, I, I enjoy making the podcast. We also want to sort of mention the beer real quickly. Yeah, of course. Um, our Wild Bog uh, from Whitewater Brewing Company. I liked it. The cranberry sour was okay. Uh, right. I I think I would have enjoyed it more uh, if I had have been in a more sober or less toxic <laughs> state. I would say I don't I don't didn't get any of these sort of like uh like delicious notes that I think I would have sort of popped out normally. Because your taste buds are drunk. Yeah, your they, taste buds yeah, are too drunk yeah, to it, taste. I think that's where I am right now. And uh, uh, that's funny, that. man. But uh, I like it. Yeah, check out Whitewater. Uh, yeah, Brewing Company, and, and I hope you it, think about the swamp thing uh, anytime you're drinking a wild bog. There beverage. you go. Are we taking beer recommendations? Oh, of course. We will always take them. The problem is beer can be challenging to obtain based on where it is produced uh, and sold. So uh, feel free to recommend beers and connect them to movies that you think we should be watching. Definitely recommend movies. You can send us movie suggestions at the BMB podcast at gmail.com. But know that it might be a challenge for us to obtain some of the beers that you suggest. We'll give it a shot, though. Um, and again, thank you for listening. Give us a, uh, a like, share, subscribe, tell people, give us a rating. At the BNB podcast on Twitter. Yes, uh, we we do appreciate. I uh, hope you enjoy, and uh, we will be sending out another episode for you uh, one week from now. Yeah. So uh, enjoy and good night. Thanks for tuning in. Keep it swampy. It's swampy. <laughs> Science transformed him into a monster. Love changed him even more.